The reading for today is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18, 15, verse 4, 12, verse 18, 10, verse 8, 15, verse 1, 11, verse 9, 16, verse 24, 13, verse 3, 25, verse 11, 26, verses 24 to 25, 10, verse 20, 15, verse 28, and 16, verse 21. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The heart, the wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Like apples a, a gold, of gold and settings of silver is a ruling rightly given. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Though their speeches charming, do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their hearts. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, uh, the Choi family and uh, Sadie, for leading us in the intercession and um, in, in reading as well. Uh, as you know, we're going through the book of Proverbs in, in series, um, and this week we're going to go through the power of words or words. So let's pray that God will speak um, to us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you are God who speaks. Lord, you've created the world with your word. And now we pray that you would transform our hearts, that uh, by your spirit you would impress upon uh, your words uh, on our hearts that we might live differently, that we might live to praise you, that we might, uh, uh, that we might speak uh, differently in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with France almost uh, taken by Germans in June 4th, 1940, uh, Winston Churchill stood and he spoke. He gave a speech that's uh, remembered as a speech that kept Britain going, kept Britain fighting. Churchill's speeches were so powerful, actually, in one of the BBC article asks, did Winston's words, uh, did Winston's words win the, the, the great war, uh, win the war? You might know some of the closing words of this speech. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the field and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. In the darkest moments of the World War II, these were the words that kept Britain going, Britain fighting. But these words actually didn't come easily to Winston either. In fact, when he gave speeches, he worked on those speeches right up to the last moment he was about to give it. 
the archivist tells us that actually the printed pages of his speeches are filled with annotations and last-minute changes. Why did he work so hard on these speeches? Well, because he knew that his words were powerful. Words are powerful. That in times of war, these words are a matter of life and death for the people who are hearing it. Words are powerful, aren't they? I don't need to convince you that words are powerful because I'm sure there are words that have changed your life. Whether it was a words of encouragement or a word of criticisms, often they change the course of our life. And so it's not surprising then, the book of Proverbs devotes most words, besides the topic of wisdom itself, to the, the topic of words. Words, how the power of it and how to wield it. There are so many Proverbs in this book about words that actually it's hard to choose which ones to include. And when they do, it describes the power of words in the most dramatic terms. In the beginning of the book, in chapter 3, verse 18, you might, have, you might remember these words, that wisdom is a tree of life, tree of life to those who take hold of her, and those who hold her fast will be blessed. It says wisdom is a tree of life. Well, tree of life is something that the Old Testament alludes to throughout the book, like burning, a burning bush. Uh, with Moses, or the flourishing tree in Psalm 1. It's referred to again and again. But the words tree of life appear only in the Old Testament in, the, in Genesis and Proverbs. In Genesis, you remember, the, the, the tree of life is right in the middle of the garden. It's right in the middle of the garden, and it gives life to Adam and Eve. It's a way of God. It's a way that God will share his life, right? Life with Adam and Eve. So the uh, writer of uh, Proverbs is saying that uh, powers, um, writer of, uh, sorry, uh, that God's power is made through, uh, shared through, uh, sorry, wisdom is, sorry, <laughs> wisdom is God's way of, uh, my, wisdom is uh, for us to tap into the source of life. If we live according to God's wisdom, we're tapping into the source of life itself and live in living God's way, uh, the, the, the goodness of life. But it's not just, the, just wisdom that's described as the tree of life. Actually, words are described as tree of life. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. See, the right words, right words, gentle, gently spoken, is a tree of life. It gives life to those who are crushed. It cheers and it nourishes. It heals. It's a way of tapping into the goodness of God, life itself, and sharing it with others. If we wield our words right way, we can share that life with others. God's life, God's goodness with others. Words are a matter of life and death. It's described as tree of life. Here's another proverb that speaks to the power of words in 12.18. Words, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the, tongue, the tongue of the wise brings healings. Words can pierce your soul, can it? The late Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner says, what is, done, what is done to you is of little account besides what is done in you. 
You see, like a sword. Sword can go into your, through your skin and reach the heart. And words can do the same. Words can go through the exteriors and, and reach us in our hearts. And it can poison us. It can kill us, these words. And the reverse is true as well. The tongue of the wise brings healings. The book of Revelation is the only book in the New Testament that mentions the tree of life. And there, the leaves of these trees bring healing to the nations. But we don't actually have to wait until the very last days of history in order to tap into the healing power. right? Because words can heal. I know three words that can heal right away. Right? That can reconcile many relationships. I am sorry. It can heal, it can melt callousness of our hearts. I love you, or I forgive you. Bring, they have such power to heal the brokenness of this world. You might ask, well, how is it that words have so much power? I don't know exactly, but I know that words is a uniquely, uh, 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 uniquely human, a godlike thing, right? Because the words, uh, even baboons, monkeys are trained to learn words. You know how many words they can learn? Up to only about 450 words. We use many more, and we know many more thousands of words. And many of you know thousands of words, not just in one language, but many other languages as well. That we are created as language-centered beings is, no is not a surprise if you think about what God does. Remember, when God creates the world, God speaks the world into existence. The Trinitarian God speaks to one another. When God reveals His Son, when He becomes a human being, He comes down as the Word of God. Words are powerful because we are made in the, in the image of God. We can't create the world out of nothing. We can't do that, but we can create friendship. We can build relationships. We can build communities, even nations, with words. Words can touch the deepest parts of our hearts and can connect us to one another in the most intimate way. Words are a tree of life. Friends, how do you use your words? Do you use it as a sword that pierces? Or a bomb that heals? It's a matter of life and death. And so how we use our words is of utmost importance. And the book has a lot to say about how to use words. And once again, there's so many of them that I can't, I can't tell you all. Um, but uh, I'm going to just highlight four characteristics. We, we need to use words, or the Proverbs says we ought to use our words carefully, graciously, honestly, and aptly. The wise use, words there, uh, use their words carefully. That means that we first listen before we speak. Proverbs 10.8, The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. See, the wise listen before they talk. They pay attention and learn from what's being asked to do. Before chattering back, a fool's words are unrestrained. They, they, they talk back. They, they're argumentative. I know exactly the kind of person this is because I am like this often. Especially to my parents. Instead of considering the wisdom of my parents when they tell me to do something, I just speak back. 
And friends, if you are like this, if this is your mode of being, I'm sorry, the Bible calls you a fool. Fool. Consider the other way. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they, if they hold their tongue. Even fools can keep, uh, can pass for being wise if they just keep their mouth shut. And not only do the wise listen first, hold their tongue, they weigh carefully what they're about to say. Proverbs 13.3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Wise keep guards in front of, uh, front of their mouths. I mean, think about that. Think of just these burly, big guards, right? Guarding the mouth and guarding whatever is coming out. It says, no, 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 you can't come out. <laughs> you need to speak, you need to, you need to go back. Right? That's the kind of guard that we, we, the wise keep guards in their mouth, in front of their mouths. They watch what they say. What guards do you keep for your mouth, for your words? The wise also use their words graciously and not to slander. Chapter 16, verse 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And we always have a choice about how we speak to other people, don't we? About other people, don't we? How do you speak about your colleagues, your friends, you know, in front of them, but also behind their back? How do you use your words? Are they, are they gracious, sweet uh, to the soul and healing to the bone? I have a friend in college, my best friend from, uh, from Wheaton, uh, was like this. You know, he sees the same people. Uh, he sees the same situation, but he guarded his tongue, and he didn't say things that are mean and negative. Often, when he did say uh, things about people, they were positive, encouraging words. I mean, if you were with them, actually, if you were with him, you were often encouraged uh, by what he said, his presence. Is that the kind of person you are? I'm not. One of the reasons why we named our son Barnabas, the Barnabas means son of encouragement, is because I'm not a very encouraging person. I don't use my words to encourage others very well, so it's aspirational. I want to remind myself that I want to be like that. I certainly want Barney to grow up being encouraged, but not only that, to use his words encouraging others, to build people up, to give that life to others. On the flip side of uh, that is, is slandering and gossiping. Proverbs 11.9, with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. Godless destroy their friendship, a friendship with their neighbors, work relationship, even communities like a church, by their mouths. You know, when we slander, when we gossip behind people's back, this is what happens. It destroys. How much do you gossip? What percentage of your conversation with your friends is talking about people, talking behind their back, spreading these whispers? Gossip is mentioned at least six times in the book of Proverbs, all negatively. In the New Testament, it's mentioned twice in the list of despicable sins, like murder, strife, deceit, uh, malice. In Romans, like, like in Romans chapter 129, it's no small matter to gossip. It destroys. It destroys trust. It destroys relationship. It destroys communities. It's no small matter. We are to be gracious 
in our speech, not to tear people down. Of course, I'm not saying then that we should always flatter. That's not what it means. Proverbs has something to say about that. We're to speak honestly. 26, 24 to 25. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their hearts. Words can disguise our intentions. We can say flowery things about other people while uh, harboring seven abominations. Seven is just a number of completeness. With all the completeness of evil thoughts in our hearts, and we can still say uh, flowery things about others. We're not to be like that. We are to speak honestly, forthrightly. And if we speak graciously, and if we speak carefully, we can speak honestly, even about tough things. This is how you know when you've succeeded, right? When you're saying tough things, sharp things, that's, that, that's tough to hear, but the person still listens. They keep on listening, and they're paying attention to you because they know that you are careful in your words, that you are loving in your intentions. Right? They keep on listening to the tough things that you say because of the way and because of your heart. And we can do that if we speak graciously and, and, and carefully. We can speak honestly, and we must. And finally, we must speak aptly. Chapter 2511, a, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in setting of silver. The ESV is a trans, better translation uh, for this, so forgive me for switching. But the word apt here is really about timing, when to speak. Timing is everything, isn't it? I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I will take showers in the morning, and my mind will do this funny thing of going through you know, conversations for the last 10 years. And it'll go through all the, the, the maybe jokes that were made or things that were said and all the things that I should have and could have said. And I'll go, ah, I should have said that. Right? But actually, this isn't just about uh, uh, replying uh, cleverly uh, with the right timing. The Bible is talking about choosing the right time to speak about certain things. Because you can say something that is true. You can say something that is quite right, but if it's said at the wrong moment, actually people won't listen to you. Could you imagine going to a funeral where somebody's spouse died, and you say, you come alongside of this person and you say, actually, you know what, there might be a silver lining in this. Or, uh, uh, what is God trying to teach you in this moment? Well, you know, there might be silver lining, or God might be trying to teach them something, but... This is just not the right time. You don't go to a funeral to, to ask about these things, to say these things. You want to bring words of comfort. You want to sit with them and listen. That's what we need to do. You can say the right things, but said in the wrong time, it will not get a hearing. And it is really hard. It is really hard to get the timing right. It is really hard to get the tone right. So word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in setting of silver. They stand out, and they are priceless. But in many ways, we know these things, don't we? 
We know that we should speak graciously and carefully, aptly, honestly. We know that we should weigh our words. We know that we shouldn't slander, but we slander anyway. We blurt things out anyway. Uh, we find it so difficult to control our tongues. Why is that? Take a look at these three next uh, Proverbs 10.20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. 15.28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. 16.21. The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. Well, these Proverbs, all three of them, are written in parallelism, right? The one half talks about the heart. The other half talks about the tongue or the mouth. Uh, it talks about words. Well, how can they be in parallel? You see, the implicit message is that in some ways they are the same. The words, and they are the same because words come from our hearts. Words reveal what is in our hearts. And Jesus said the same in Matthew 15, 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth comes from the heart. You see, the condition of our hearts determine our speech, what we say. They determine our words. I wonder what would happen if somebody invented some truth serum that made you tell the truth all the time. If you were asked a question, you had to tell what's in your mind. Wouldn't that reveal what's in your heart? I don't know if you've been to, uh, if you've known situations like this where, you know, uh, some some people alcohol when they when they drink alcohol, it's like a truth serum. They just reveal, right? Uh, they might uh, say they might just act differently, and they might say things that they don't normally say. They might start cussing, or they might start saying uh, telling a a, a a lewd joke, a dirty joke, and you could say on the one end. Ah, oh, but Phil isn't like this. He's not being himself. Is that really true? Is he really not being himself when he says these things? Or is he being really himself? He's just revealing what's in his heart. Words come from our hearts. And this is why it's not enough for us to just say to ourselves, I need to speak more carefully. I need to speak more honestly or graciously. I, it's not enough to just to tell ourselves to speak better. Because the problem goes much deeper than our lips. But thankfully, God's solution to our problem goes much deeper than that as well. You know this. We heard it when we went through the Ezekiel series. Ezekiel chapter 36, 27, 26 to 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, and because of Jesus... We have received the Holy Spirit. We have received a, 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 a new heart. He paid for our sins by dying for us, by taking God's wrath upon the cross and reconciled us to God Himself. And as a sign of that reconciliation, as the seal of that reconciliation, God sent the Holy Spirit, giving us a new heart, a new law in us. And remember the Pentecost. On the day of the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the problem of language, problem of speech was solved. 
You see, by our nature, on our own, we will speak selfishly. We will be about our pride, our name, ourselves. We will sp speak in a way that harms. But with God's Spirit now, His Spirit writing the law of humility, law of love in our hearts, our hearts are transformed. And we can speak differently. We can use our words as a tree of life. Not just to tap into that source of life itself, but speak it and share it with others. To heal, to cheer, to nourish, to help people flourish. Of course, that sanctification, that process continues. We're not perfect, we won't be. But we are a people who are able to speak differently because of Jesus, because of the Spirit that is in us. An average American apparently speaks about 700 times a day. I imagine that number is about just half of that in Hong Kong, 350 times maybe. But what else do you do throughout the day 350 times? Should we ask God that by the power of His Spirit, that He will transform our words, that it might be the tree of life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the reminder that our words have power to kill, uh, power to pierce, also to power to heal and to give life. Lord, would you uh, instill by the power of your Spirit in our hearts the importance of words? Would you direct our hearts to be humble, to be loving, to be nourishing, to be healing, to give life to others, to be careful, to, to be honest, and to be gracious? Lord, fill us with wisdom that we might, uh, as we use our words, um, to, to, we might use them to heal and to build people up. Lord, by ourselves, this is not possible. And so, Lord, we pray that your Spirit will fill each one of us, fill the church, that we might speak your truth uh, in a loving way, that we might give life to others. Help us to do that this week, and not just this week, but throughout our lives. We give our words to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.